Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message with teaching pastor Daryl Feemster. We give glory to you who was, who is, who is to come. We thank you that by the blood of Jesus Christ we are cleansed from all sin. Father, make us a testimony to this world of your justice and righteousness through the blood of Jesus Christ. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come upon us in power and demonstration in such a way there'll be compelling evidence that our God is real. That we trust Him, that He moves within us and He moves upon us. Father, we're asking you to come move upon us today. Not just within us, upon us, through us. That the world might know Jesus Christ is Lord. We give you praise and honor in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen Amen and Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome to New Covenant. Welcome to those of you that are visiting with us. Thank you. Evan's true. We see a lot of faces that we have not seen before, and we hope to get to meet you. And thank you for blessing us by being with us today. We are New Covenant Church. Pastor Chris is still on sabbatical. By this time, he ought to be rested. And uh, we're thankful that God's given him this time. And, and you're stuck with me for another couple of weeks. And that's okay with me. I hope it's okay with you. And uh, anyway, uh, you know, we are New Covenant Church. We're inviting all people to know, hear, and respond to Jesus Christ through relationship. And, and our desire is that you really come to see him. Um, let me just make a, get some business out of the way just before we start because I don't want to quit until I'm finished. How about that? Hey, if you've not re- registered to vote, this Tuesday is the last time you can register for this year. So please, if you've not registered to vote, there's uh, some of these cards out on the table in the foyer. All you have to do is fill it out, fold it up, put it in the mailbox. As long as it's put in the mailbox by Tuesday, the 11th, You'll be registered to vote in this coming election and the coming elections of, of 2024. So I hope that you will avail yourself to that. Also, you'll find on the table out there in the foyer a list of we're doing our Thanksgiving, Lampasas Mission Thanksgiving Drive again. And the Kids Ministries of New Covenant, this is Early Childhood, NCC Kids, and the youth are competing against again this year to see which one of them can get you to gather the most food for our Lampasas Mission Thanksgiving Meal Drive. Last year we collected over 3,000 pounds of food for them. The church then buys a turkey. This is a list. We don't have the bags there, so we're going to trust you to bring your own bag. All right? Fill it up. This is a list out on the tables. Pick one up. Take it with you. We're asking that these be done. The tables will be out next week. But this will be done by November the 8th. And so if you'll make avail yourself to that. Ladies, also something that's not on our announcement sheet. The more event is tomorrow night at Adelphia House at 630 and uh, for all the announcements, they're on the table out there, and you can pick them up and, and, and see what all's happening in the month of October. We're glad you're here. Turn with me in your Bibles to 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18, and um, we'll get there in just a minute. We've been talking about glimpses of glory. Glimpses of glory. And... Um, 
I'm convinced this is something God is wanting to do right now in our day, in our time. I believe He's wanting to do it here. I believe He's wanting to do it in your life. The word glory of the word, the phrase, the glory of the Lord appears 109 times in Scripture. That exact phrase. And we defined last week that this word glory, the glory of the Lord, of Yahweh, is defined specifically as God manifesting Himself and being present in the physical realm, in the realm we live in. It's to be experienced presence of God. It's God being Himself, doing and being what God alone can do and be. It's God's character and presence prevailing in the atmosphere. It's God declaring, making known Himself in person and in power. I want a glimpse of God's glory. Uh, I, I just believe I'm expecting it. You say, well, preacher, that's pretty presumptuous of you. Well, let me ask you a question. What do you expect to happen when you gather in worship? We're part of the body of Christ on earth, gathered in worship of our Creator King, our Master, our Savior, our Source, our Life. This gathering this morning is to be a meeting place between the eternal and the contemporary. When somebody walks into our worship experience, they should be able to feel and to know God's in this place. He promised where we gather in His name that He would be in our midst. Why don't we expect Him to be? What do you think would happen if God Himself showed up in His glory... In His manifest presence here this morning, what do you think would happen? Most of us would say, well, this place would never be the same again. If it wouldn't, then it shouldn't. If God showing up would make this place never be the same again, He's promised He's here. Then it should never be the same again. The problem is, how many times do we go through the motions and the practices without ever having an expectation that God's in the house? We've been looking at how God manifested Himself throughout the Scripture. And one of the manifestations of His glory throughout Scripture was in fire. God appeared to Moses in the burning bush, a bush that was burning that was had a flame of fire in it, and yet it was not being consumed. And Moses turned aside to see, and, and bushes talk when the fire's on it. Later on, God led the people of uh, Israel, the Hebrew children, out of Egypt by a cloud of by day and a pillar of fire at night. He came down on Mount Sinai and invited Moses up, and the whole mountain burned with the presence of God and fire. In the wilderness, God was in the midst of His people, evidenced at night by a pillar of fire that hovered over the temple, the Holy of Holies, by night. God also descended in fire upon the temple that Solomon had built. And when they dedicated, the presence of God came into the house so much that no one was able to stand in His presence. In the New Testament, fire's characteristics of the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist said of Jesus, He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and 
with fire. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came upon the disciples, there appeared above each one of their heads cloven tongues of fire, indicating the presence of the Lord. Most of us would say, I want that fire. We want the fire of God. We want the fire of God. But I'm not sure we know what we're talking about when we say that. I don't think we know the fire we're seeking. You see, don't confuse the God who is Himself fire with fireplaces. How many of you have a fireplace in your house? Yeah, some of you don't need it in Central Texas, right? A lot of places, a lot of churches, a lot of people see the fire of God kind of like they see a fireplace. It's, it's there to warm you and keep you comfortable while at the same time remaining a safe distance away. Most of us have a fireplace in Central Texas for looks. In the fireplace, the fire is contained and it's controlled. You can stroke it, you can arrange it, you can build it, or you can let it die out. Like a fireplace, we want God available there when we need Him. Behind us so we can back up to Him, comforting us, waiting, warming us, but not too hot or in the way that would make us uncomfortable and make us miss what's really important to us. You see, we love God and we want Him close just like a fireplace in the corner of the room. God's not a fireplace. And His fire won't be contained or controlled. Others of us, and especially in the church, we like to, we like to think of God being the fire like fireworks. We want that ecstatic experience of Him taking us up to the heights and exploding in power and demonstration. Have you ever noticed that fireworks don't have much left after the boom? You know, all that's left after the boom, after the noise, after the... The ecstatic experience of seeing the glory, all that's left is smoke from the explosion. We want the fireworks of God, of praising God on Sunday, for Him to show up and show off. But most of us feel forsaken by the time the alarm goes off on Monday morning. God's not into fireplaces and He's not into fireworks. You see, fireplace and fireworks are not the fire of God. Hebrews 12, 29 says this, Our God is a consuming fire. I've had a complete new revelation of this. And I want to show it to you. It's in, I want us to look at the fire of God. In 1 Kings chapter 18, there's a story about Elijah. Elijah was one of those, the most remarkable characters in Israel history. Elijah is mentioned more in the New Testament than any other Old Testament prophet. And Elijah stepped into history when Israel had lost sight of its God. I think you could almost say Elijah stepped into history when America has lost sight of God. On the throne was the weakest and wickedest of all kings, Ahab. I'll leave that up to your discretion. The Bible declares that Ahab did more evil in the sight of the Lord than all before him. And as if he, it had been a light thing for him to walk in the sins of his father Jeroboam, he took to wife Jezebel. This is in chapter 16 of 1 Kings. 
And he went out and he served Baal and he worshipped him. And Ahab did more to provoke the Lord God of Israel to anger than all the other kings of Israel that were before him. Literally, Ahab built an image of Baal and brought in the prophets of Baal, over 450 we know because of Scripture, and they worshipped him in Jerusalem. And it hadn't rained for three and a half years because it's not going to rain until Elijah says so. So Ahab and Elijah had a problem. So Elijah challenges Ahab and the 400 prophets of Baal. And he came asking a question that still needs to be asked of of America and of the church and of the world today. Look, Look at verse 21, 1 Kings 18. Elijah came to all the people and he said, How long will you falter? That word in Hebrew means to, to, to step from one foot to the other. How long will you hop to sides? How long will you straddle the fence? How long will you limp and waver between two opinions? If the Lord, Yahweh, is God, follow Him. If it's Baal, then follow Him. And the Bible says, And the people answered Him not a word. Sometimes silence is golden and sometimes it's just plain yellow. What an indictment. Who's the real God? Can you answer that question in our world today? Who's the real God? Is He just some spiritual crutch that helps you limp through life and go to heaven when you die? Or is He the creator of the universe and the redeemer of all mankind? Is He the God of Scripture or just another religious hoax that you'll get over? Elijah, how long are you going to Hop between two opinions. Go to church on Sunday and head to the world on Monday. So Elijah challenges them. The next verse is, let Baal is, the prophets of Baal are invited to bring up two oxen. Let them pick one and they cut it up. They lay it out on the altar of fire, on firewood. But don't light it. Don't put anything under it. He says, I'll take the other ox and I'll cut it up and lay it on the wood, but neither will I light the fire. And then verse 24, look at this. Then you call on the name of your gods, and I will call on the name of the Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people agreed. Elijah was in essence saying, the God who shows up, he's God. Let me ask you a question. Would you be willing to say that to our world today? The God who shows up is God? Or do we think kind of what the world is doing is we're, we're hoping, we're wishing, we're believing. How sure are we? How long are we going to halt between two opinions? Baal's prophets go first. The God who shows up, He's God. The people love it. Baal's prophets, they cry out from morning. Verses 25 through 28 tells you about the prophets of Baal cry out from morning till noon. Elijah mocks them and, and tells them, well, he must be deaf. He, he can't hear. Maybe he's on vacation. Maybe he, he just goes on. You can read those, the verses. And here's the thing. The, the more Baal, the more Elijah mocked the harder they tried. Look at verse 29. And when midday was past, they prophesied until the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. But look at these words. But there was no voice, there was no one who answered, and no one paid attention. 
Now, it's always good for us to, to laugh at that because the gods were being mocked. But here's the problem. As I read that this week, I thought, oh my gosh, how many of us are dance, dancing around our idols? How many of us are crying out for our idols to come and do something for us? When's the last time you looked for your finances to be your source? You can dance around all the options that you might have. You've dreamed of the things that this world could provide for you. We've been doing... And if there's a real prophet in the house, he ought to be mocking us too. Because here's the truth about our idols as well. There's no voice, there's no answer, and there's no fire. Look at verse 30. Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. So all the people came near to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord that was broken down. And Elijah took twelve stones, according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord, Yahweh, had come, saying, Israel shall be your name. Let me just pause here for a moment. Elijah takes twelve stones, representing the twelve tribes, according to what the Lord had called them. Listen, he had called them Israel. Jacob, sons of Jacob. Israel. Israel means prince with God. You're my special people. Elijah is reminding them by building the altar of their identity, of who God calls them. He built the altar. He repaired it. Verse 32 Then with the stones he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two seas of seed, which is about three gallons. And he put the wood on the in order, and he cut the bull in pieces, and he laid it on the wood, and he said, Fill four water pots of water. Remember, it hadn't rained three and a half years, and he's saying, Hey, waste this. Fill four pots of water, four four water pots with water, and pour it on the burnt sacrifice and on the wood. Then he said, Do it a second time. And they did it a second time. Then he said, do it a third time. And they did it a third time. So that the water ran all around the altar. And he also filled the trench with water. Verse 36. And it came to pass at that time of the offering of the evening sacrifice. Listen. At the time when it was their regular time to, to sacrifice to God, Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel and, am I your, and I am your servant and that I've done all these things at your word. Now I want you to note the prayer in 37. And he said, hear me, O Jehovah, O Yahweh, self-existent one, hear me. That this people may know that you are the I am God. And that you have turned their hearts back to you again. Verse 38, then, circle that word, then the fire fell, fire of the Lord fell. Then, then the fire of the Lord fell. When? When the ruined altar had been repaired. When the whole offering had been placed on that altar. And when the counterfeit had been excluded. Elijah wasn't going to allow room for any false fire. He wanted it clear that if fire fell, it would be from heaven. Then. When? When the altar was repaired. When the offering was laid on it. 
when the counterfeit was excluded. Look at verse 38. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt sacrifice and the wood and the stones and the dust and it licked up the water that was in the trench. This was no ordinary fire. If you look at the order that the scripture says, the order is fire came from above, consumed the sacrifice, consumed the wood, consumed the stones, consumed the dust and evaporated the water. This wasn't a fire that was like you and I light fire from below. God lit this fire from above. This wasn't any doubt, no doubt in the, no doubt in the minds of the world that God was the one who was accepting the sacrifice, consuming the sacrifice. It's quite obvious. In verse 39 it says, And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, They said, The Lord, Yahweh, Jehovah, the self-existent one, the great I Am, He is God. The I Am that I Am, He is God. And most of the time, many, many of these times, listen, we've, we've read this story. How many of you have ever heard this story before? Yeah, we read this when we as little kids, we learned about it. It's amazing to me that we think we know it and we don't know it at all. (laughs) The purpose of the fire. The purpose of the fire is found in the prayer of Elijah. If you go back to verse 37. Hear me, Lord, hear me, that this people may know you are the Lord God. The purpose of the fire was that the people would know who God is. And the purpose of the fire was to turn their hearts back to Him. Why do we want God to show up? Well, we can say because we were there. Or do we want God to show up and show off and be and demonstrate who He really is that the people may know He's God? And that the people will turn their hearts back to Him. Fire always does two things. Fire confirms, or the fire of God. The fire of God always does two things. It confirms and consumes. When the fire fell, it consumed the sacrifice, confirming who God was. He was who He said He was. He demonstrated it. And that He had received the sacrifice. You see, most of the time when I read this story, I'm thinking, God just showed them. No, God just revealed Himself. Now listen to me. I revealed myself as the God of Israel. As your God. And I have burned all of this up that was offered to me as a confirmation that I've accepted the sacrifice. How many of us, when we read this story, think that God's going to burn up everybody around? I mean, listen to me. Why didn't God burn up all those idolaters? Why didn't God burn up all the idolaters of of Israel? Why, You know, if I was those people, I would have just stood back. I wouldn't have come near. 
You see, we bought this bill of goods and, and it's been preached to us that God's about to get us. And God, if you don't get your heart right, God's going to get you. Let me tell you what, if you don't get your heart right, God's just liable to accept the sacrifice in your place. Wait a minute, what are you talking about, preacher? Here's the thing I'm trying to say. The reason that God didn't burn up the idolaters of Israel was because God accepted the sacrifice. The bull that had been cut into pieces as a symbol of covenant. The wood that symbolized the sacrifice, the evening sacrifice, which was the normal practice that they had been taught to do as showing their relationship with the Father. God had poured out accepting the, the sacrifice and all the people fall on their faces and they say, You are God. You are really Him. And they turned their hearts for the moment to Him. What an incredible picture of the cross of Calvary. There too, the fire of God's judgment on the sin of the world fell on an innocent sacrifice. Jesus Christ, God's own Son, instead of us. God doesn't want to wipe you out. He wants to bring you in. God doesn't want the world to go to hell. He wants them to come to Jesus. And the very fact that God poured out His wrath on His Son on the cross is so that He would never pour out His wrath on you. God's fire fell to consume and to confirm, to consume us with Him. I've got a new definition of consuming. Consuming is not God burning up everything and making everything to to disappear. Consuming is God to show Himself in such a way that He consumes your attention. He consumes your heart. He grabs a hold of your intellect. And He begins to reveal Himself to you to where all of a sudden you're so consumed with Him that nothing else matters. I think some of us have this, and I think it's a deceit of the enemy. I think we have this perverted pleasure that somehow sinners are going to get destroyed. Let me tell you, that's not God. There's not one sinner God wants destroyed. He's not willing that any should perish. So if God shows up this morning in power and demonstration and He invades this atmosphere with His holy presence, it's not to destroy us, it's to consume our attention that we would know He is God and that He is who He says He is and He will do what He's already done on the cross. He will redeem man because the blood has already been shed. The sacrifice has already been made and He accepted it in your place. I read this. I don't know. I'm not a silversmith. But I heard that a silversmith heats the metal of the silver so hot that the dross rises to the top to be skimmed off. 
And he continually heats the silver and skims off the dross and heats the silver and skims off the dross. The silver is considered pure when the silversmith can see his own reflection in the metal. He can see himself. I think God wants to show up in order that we would see Jesus in such a way that beholding him, we would be transformed from glory to glory to glory to glory by the power of his spirit until he sees his face in us. I don't want God to show up so we can have a big boom of an encounter and say, wow, were you there? I don't want God to show up so we can put Him over in a, in a, in a box, a firebox, and we can control Him and we can stoke it when we want it or we can close the doors on it when it's getting too hot. I want God to come as He is, fill the atmosphere of this place, and transform our lives to where nothing else matters but Him. And let me tell you something. That which rises the top, when they skim it off, it'll just be more pure for what it's meant to be. Stop worrying about what you might lose and realize what you might get. Falling of the fire left nothing but ashes. Ashes. The sacrifice was gone. The wood was burned up. The stones had even been burned up. The dust and even the water was evaporated. There wasn't nothing but the ash. Let me tell you, there's two characteristics of ashes. First characteristic, ash will be easily moved by whatever wind comes. The second characteristic, it'll move in the direction of the wind. So once God really accepts the sacrifice, you can be an ash. I said that correct. You can be an ash that the wind of the Holy Spirit can blow on and whatever He does, He can can blow you in whatever direction that God wants you to go. You see, so much of the time we're asking the fire of God to come on our plans and our purposes and our desires and our dreams. We're wanting God to do our thing His way. Really? How about we get in on what God's doing and see Him change the world? You've been praying for people. How about invite the fire of God to come? You want to see your family change? How about invite the fire of God to come? That God would come as only He can and be who only He can be and do what only He can do in order that the world might know Him and turn their heart toward Him. I want New Covenant to be known for having the presence of God, the absolute manifest presence of God. But we, that will not happen unless we invite Him. You see, there's, there's a way that you can prepare this place to become a place that can be the fire, a presence of the fire of God. It's to restore the altar. Restore the altar. Restore the altar. In your, you remember what it was like when you were so hungry for God, you, you hated to put down the Scripture. You, you, in fact, you were so into what God was showing you, you might have been late for work because you were so excited about what God was showing you. Rebuild that altar. 
fire was burning then. Lay the whole sacrifice on the altar. Remember who you are. Remember what Christ has made you. Remember what He's done. And lay the whole sacrifice. Listen, there is nothing that you've got that's, that God can't make it better or boost it in such a way that, that He can turn the light on it and it become what you've always dreamed it would be. Put, the, put, it, on, put it all out on the altar. And then don't let any counterfeit fire, don't let anybody tell you what it could be, should be, and all these things. You don't let anything counterfeit. If it's going to be God, it's going to be God. Let it come from Him. Let it come from Him. No counterfeits. No false fire. Are you willing to pray that this morning? Lord, let your fire fall. I want you to stand with me. If you're willing to pray, and I, and I really, this is it. I'm going to pray. I'm going to repeat a prayer. And it's not about repetition. It's about you really desiring that the fire of God would fall, that He would literally manifest Himself in your life for His purpose, which is to let people see that God's really real and that they would turn their hearts to Him. Maybe that you would turn your heart back to Him. But we're going to ask for the fire to fall upon us. And I want you to pray this. If you want to pray it, I'm, I'm going to invite you. You don't have to pray it, but I'm going to invite you. If you want to pray it, I want you to pray it after me. And then uh, we're just going to be still before Him. So here's the prayer. You can repeat it after me if you choose to do so. Lord, self-existent one, Father of your Son, Jesus Christ, let your fire fall. On me, on this church, on this city. Consume us until there's nothing left but your image. Manifest your love. Manifest your power in my life. Touch me. Light the torch in me. Let your fire fall. And just be still. Lord, we invite you to come and pour out your presence in this place. God, you promised that you would be here. God, I'm not looking for fireworks. I'm looking for the refreshing, pouring out, the consuming, that we be so consumed with you that nothing else matters. Pour out your goodness over us. Pour out your goodness over us. That's unusual to you. That's a a tongue. That says if a tongue is given in public that there is to be an interpretation of that so that the whole body would be lifted up. Did anyone hear that? Did anyone hear that 
or an impression of that that you can say in English? Anyone? Anyone have an impression of what that might that Christ might be saying to the church, that the Holy Spirit would be saying to the church? Listen and obey. Amen. Okay, just 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 be still just a moment. Just take a deep breath. Just invite the Holy Spirit. Just invite him. Say and do whatever he wants to do in our heart. Don't look around you. Don't worry about what anybody else is thinking. This is your time with Him. You've invited Him to let the fire fall on you in your life. This is very personal to me. I've known water baptism. I know what it is to be baptized with the Holy Spirit. But I long to be baptized with fire, with God's fire. The manifest presence, God being Himself in my world, in my life, in my church. You see, consumed for me is not about things being burned up. It's about being consumed by Him that I am totally consumed with Him. Taken up to where nothing else matters. Not just filled, but fired with the reality of His manifest presence. Let's go for the glory. The world will take notice when God begins to show up in our lives and do what only He can do. Let's go for the glory. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 